and welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam here, joined by Matt and a special guest we're going to introduce in a little bit. But nothing special about this weekend for Jet fans. The Jet season comes to a crash and burn, to say the least. Uh, Geno Smith ending the Jet season. Let me not even say that. The Jets ended the Jet season. Didn't even show up. Uh, you know, I don't even remember what a touchdown looks like. Um, so that was fun to start. On the other hand, Giants, their season continues. And things are going well for the Giants, for sure. Uh, we'll get into that later on. Definitely wanted to get into some basketball, though, because, again, the Nets are the best team in the NBA right now. Don't think it's far-fetched to say. And on the other side, the Knicks uh, seem to be nixing again. So with all that going on, and then, of course, as always, we're waiting for the Correa news, waiting for any MLB news to come through the pipeline. But as I always start this, and it might be a little bit of a sad response today, Matt, what's going on? Not much. I'm okay. Um, as soon as we log off here, I'm probably just going to face a bottle of bourbon in the name of the Jets. And uh, <laughs> life goes on, you know, so. Yeah, life life definitely does go on. And we'll get into the Jets later. We'll definitely give them. I don't. They don't even deserve the time of day, but we're going to have to give it to them for podcast reasons. But let's start with basketball because, you know, as the football season starts to unfold here, uh, definitely going to talk more Giants, but. I don't know how many people are tuning into the uh, Jets Week 18 preview pod for given that the season's over and the Chris Streveler, uh, most likely the Chris Streveler packages that we might see in Week 18. Don't know who, how interesting that's going to be, but we'll get into that. But let's talk about the Knicks and who better to bring on and talk about some basketball than our friend, longtime friend, someone whose basketball opinion I respect greatly, just opinions I respect greatly, our friend Brandon. Brandon, what's going on? Say hi to our audience. What's going on? Um, very excited to be on a podcast. Have not been on a sports podcast in a long time. Um, Giants clinched the division. I'm very excited. Giant fan. Yep, forgot to say yeah, that. Yeah, Giant fan. Very excited. We clinched the playoffs. Was not expecting that before the season. But basketball is the main topic of discussion today. Um, I'm excited to be here, though. I really am. I'm excited to be on the podcast. I've been asking you for a little bit, so yep. I'm excited when I got the call. Brandon, Brandon, yeah, two, def- two, got the ball from the uh, bullpen. Brandon, two questions. Um, how was your new year? And also, just looking at your uh, flag football stats here, if you're the quarterback of the Jets, are, are they a playoff <laughs> team right now? So it's crazy to say. So thank you. New year was good. Uh, spent <laughs> it with some friends. Um, but as far as the Jets thing, we always ask a question in my chat: Am I a top ten thousand quarterback in the nation? I'm nowhere near it. Because you're thinking every college quarterback is better than me. But I truly believe that, like, I could throw a two-step slant and it would be okay. <laughs> but I that joke, jokes aside, um, Jets season comes to an end. Rough, rough season because I feel like if they're a competent quarterback play, it would have been more than fine. So, yeah. Uh, it's tough to, tough, to, tough to swallow probably. But my Giants are going to the playoffs. Yeah, the Giants are going to the playoffs. But are the Knicks – what are the Knicks doing? Where are the Knicks? Are the Knicks going to make the playoffs? Or are they going to even have the same head coach at the end of the season? Let's get into that. Because, um, quite frankly, I'm a Knicks fan. I, I think, you know, being a Knicks fan and just seeing what's going on right now, you kind of just get a bad taste in your mouth. And, like, here we go again. And, you know, you see them surging and then you see them losing. And, and like, my first question to you is, what do you? What are the Knicks to you? Are they like the defensive grit and grind team that Tom Thibodeau thinks they are, or are they just a young team trying to find their way? How would you answer that question? I think the problem is is that top to bottom, I feel like they don't have an identity. They're in an identity crisis, and I feel like they've, they've kind of been in, in an identity crisis since Thibodeau has got there because you don't have the star. You just have a, you have three good players. You have the the, the Knicks fans on Reddit, I believe, call them the mid three. Um, <laughs> I heard that. I heard that on a podcast. That I thought that was funny. Perfect three way to player. put it. Yeah, but listen, they're good players. They have a good team. But I feel like what the front office is trying to do, and what the coach is trying to do, we know Thibodeau. He's not tanking. He doesn't want to lose games. No one wants to lose games, but he is not going to lose games. And he's gonna play his best players the most minutes and when a guy like Cam Reddish they're tra- the front office trades for a guy like Cam Reddish and then Tibbs doesn't want to play him it's wh- where are we as an organization two weeks ago before this losing skid they went on I kind of thought that their ceiling is like a five seed and maybe you make an entry into the second round if you win a playoff series um 
Then this skid happens. Brunson was out of the lineup a little bit. RJ's been a little dinged up. Randall's had to carry on a crazy workload, which we're seeing probably the best year of Randall's career outside of, what, two seasons ago? He was Two seasons ago, he was very good, yeah. And then I went and I looked at how old he was. He's 28 years old. This is the prime of Julius Randall's career. 28 to 30 is the prime of your career, where you should be the absolute best you are. Um, he's playing very well. He's rebounding at an crazy, a crazy high rate right now in this last six, seven games. I know they've been losses, but the Mavs loss was kind of fluky. Um, it, it, it's been just a little bit of not being able to close games out, and it's a little painful to watch without Brunson in there. Um, so I think they're in an identity crisis. They can kind of play both styles, but without a full team and a full roster each game, they're in a tough spot, I feel like. Yeah, and it's a couple of things I'll break unpack from there. One... Uh, they're losing a fluky way to the Mavericks, meaning 60, 20, and 10, only only NBA game, NBA game ever. <laughs> I, I got gotcha. you. The, the missed free, th- the missed I know. free throw put back. Yeah, like, how do you not come down? Well, no, that. but here's the thing with the with the Knicks. It's, there is no flukiness with the Knicks. It's just what happens to the Knicks. It, it just is. I don't believe that. in flukiness. But uh, a couple other things. Cam, You started with Cam Reddish. The soon-to-be Laker, uh, yes. I, it doesn't make any sense, really. Like, it seems like all these teams call the Knicks, call the Knicks, and they, like, they – it's so weird. It's like they have this guy in their bench that, like, other people value. They don't, but every time someone calls about him, they say it's not enough value. So, like, what's going on here? They're just going to hold on to him and say that, you know, oh, I have this thing that's worth a dollar, but I'm not going to take anything more, anything uh, less than $5 for it. Like, what What kind of sense does that make? Yeah. So, a camera – I mean, he's out of the rotation. Uh, I don't even think he played the other night when wow. I guess everyone was hurt. I know Evan Fournier got in the other night, which was big. But, um, but yeah, no, the, see, the thing with the Knicks is they – you're right. Tom, that when the Knicks are good, they, they have their full roster and they're able to buy into playing defense. And what they've done of late is if you're not playing defense, you're out of the rotation. Guys like Evan Fournier didn't play a lick of defense and they don't see the, the court. That's it. That's how a Tom Thibodeau team is going to be run. Um, but with that being said, you know, we look across the NBA and you're, you're seeing 130 put up a night, 120 put up a night, you know, even 140 if the game goes to overtime. How, can you really be a defensive oriented team in the modern NBA? No, you can't. Um, if you're if you're not getting stops when it matters the most and you don't have a lot of defensive minded players. I love Grimes. I think Grimes, Grimes is good. Games. I think they were smart for not trading. If they believe in Grimes, it was smart to not put him in the Mitchell deals. Um, I, I can't. They're not. Tibbs has one mindset. This team, I don't think they're built the right way. I like the way Mitchell Robinson plays. Still gets into foul trouble, probably too much for his own for his own good. Um, Obi Toppin injury hurt. I thought he was playing well. Who's also come up in trade trade rumors of late? I believe there was Obi links Toppin? to him. Yeah. There were, I saw a report earlier in the week that there were links to him and the Pacers that the Knicks would seek some draft compensation for him. And here's my thinking of that, kind of to tie back to what you said. Hey, look, him and Julius Randle play the same position, and Julius Randle's 28 years old. So, like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe they can get their pick back, I guess, and then some. Uh, you know, I don't know what the Pacers really have to offer. Uh, maybe, like, a Miles Turner, I don't even know. But do the Knicks, I don't know what the Knicks would get back for them, but I did see a rumor that the Knicks, you know, had spoken to the Pacers about Obi Toppin. And I, I guess, Matt, I'll throw it to you here with this question. Like, do you regret not trading RJ and, like, the rumored package for Donovan Mitchell now? Sort of. Because I think we, we spoke about this earlier on, and I was on the side where it was like, yeah, you know what, they're playing well. I think RJ can come into his own. But now RJ's got a laceration on his hand. He was playing better in, of recent, but... I think this season has been sort of like a, not a step back, but maybe a step in the same direction for RJ. Yeah, so we, we've sort of touched on this, and at the time I kind of said, I didn't understand saying there's no way we'll part with RJ Barrett for Donovan Mitchell, um, but I was kind of on the fence. I kind of thought, you know what, if you really believe in RJ, then maybe you don't make that trade. But at this point, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's on, on a completely different plane than RJ, and I think that that's kind of the piece that you start with if you're ever going to win anything of any value. Um like a second ago when Brandon had just said, you know, maybe it was smart to not deal Grimes if, you know, if, if you really believed in him for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I would have been fine with that, I think. Yeah, and, well, and but Grimes is just, playing. Like people wanting to come here, stars wanting to come here. I think Donovan Mitchell probably would have been the first puzzle piece there. Well, I'm happy you said that because 
I, what I was going to say, I was going to use this as my transition into the Nets, but now that it's kind of the talking point. No, stay with us. I, I'm going to no, 100% staying with this, but you mentioned building a culture, right? And I'm, I'm going to liken it back to when the Nets had that really fun team, Kenny Atkinson, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and they made the playoffs and they built that culture there the year before they got Kevin Durant Kyrie. Should that be the Knicks' goal here this year? Is that what the Knicks' ultimate goal is, that to just build that culture Keep your guys. Don't you know? You don't want to hear RJ's name come up in trade rumors middle of the year. You don't want to hear Quentin Grimes' name come up in trade rumors in the middle of the year. Make that your core, and then build onto it. Is this the year that they do that? That they take that Nets Kenny Atkinson step? I'll call it. I mean, you could, but 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 they're not as fun a team as the Nets were then, and players just don't still don't seem to want to come. So it does it doesn't seem to be working, right? I I listen. I for, first of all, I would not have traded RJ Barrett for Donnie Mitchell. You wouldn't have um, thought about I think it. Like, you would just it was just not even a question in your mind. I would not even a question for multiple reasons. Because if you wow. got Donovan Mitchell and you lost RJ Barrett and let's call it let's say it was RJ Barrett hopping and like a bunch of picks or whatever. Is Donovan Mitchell really taking you anywhere farther than what your ceiling is currently right not now? Yet, no. I I think I, I honestly I think so, yes. Well like okay, so you would you would expect a conference finals appearance? No. No, but I don't. I, I'm barely expecting playoffs right now with Donovan Mitchell. I'm expecting okay. Yeah, you'd expect. Yes, you. Yes, you definitely would expect the playoffs. If Donovan Mitchell was there, but like I just think that what RJ could be in four to five years, which obviously you plan on keeping him through his next contract. Also, um, if you pair him with two other guys that are just as good, I listen. We forget that RJ Barrett before Zion Williamson was Zion Williamson. RJ Barrett was the number one player in that class. He was the guy yeah. that everyone was talking about. He's the next guy. He's going to be the next thing. I think R.J. Barrett has never started a season well in his three or four seasons in the NBA. He's yet to have a hot start. It's always been R.J. trying to get back into shape, which maybe maybe he's not doing necessarily the work that needs to be done in the offseason to make sure he's in midseason form for the beginning of the regular season. But I'm not accusing him of not working hard because we're not seeing it on social media. Yeah. Um, I just think that R.J. Barrett's potential, he has a higher ceiling than what Donovan Mitchell can be, I think. So I wouldn't have done the trade. It would have been a winner. It would have been like a let's make sure we're competitive for the next four years type of move. But like, I don't think you're ever winning a championship if your main pieces are Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan Mitchell is your best player, I don't think you're winning a championship. I I agree. But what I will say is, you mentioned about RJ Barrett. You know, taking some time. He's like a slow. He's a slow starter. We'll say. Now he's hurt. He's going to miss a whole week. The Knicks are nineteen and eighteen. They play the Suns at three o'clock today, which is about a half hour from when we're recording this. Um. So now what? So now RJ comes back and it, let's just say the end of the week. So let's say three more games. Let's just say for RJ comes back at, and the Knicks are 20 and 20. So then what? You throw away two weeks of the Knicks season and you say, oh, it was just RJ getting back to shape. And now you're more than halfway through the season and you're you're still in the middle of nowhere. You're running in mud. So like my, my question, I guess, is like – it's almost like a weird crossroads of, yeah, I think it's acknowledged that this team isn't enough, but at the same time, you don't want to really move anything. But even when, when no, we say, when we talk about how well Julius Randle's playing, right? And, you know, it's the second best season we've probably ever seen from him. So you have R.J. Barrett, you have Julius Randle, who's playing the way that he is. So uh, given that, are we saying that they're one star away from, let's say, a conference? I, I don't think so. So obviously these two guys aren't enough, and I don't think one more... Uh, no, I shouldn't even say one more. I don't think one superstar takes them over the hump either. So that's why I just well, don't I, listen. I'm all for keeping RJ if that's what the Knicks wanted to do. I, I was never, but I, I just don't know that it, stoutly saying I would not deal RJ for a Donovan Mitchell type. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, I'll, let me ask this because I've I've been very high on RJ and I've kind of had similar thoughts to what Brandon said before. But in my opinion, if you have – I think Jalen Brunson is a stud. I think he's going to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a perfect facilitator for a good team. Good Will you win an NBA Finals with Jalen Brunson as your best player? No, you won't. However, if you have Julius Randle playing like this, you know Jalen Brunson can be a facilitator. If you if you get a team that calls you and says, hey, what do you think about RJ for our star? And, and, you know, you give us some picks on top. That's someone that's, you know, a 24, 20, like a Zach Levine, right? Let's say just theoretically, and we'll, I guess this is where we're going to lead into trade rumors. Let's say the Bulls call the Knicks and say, hey, we want to shake things up. We want RJ. We'll give you Zach Levine in the deal. Throw us some extra on top. What do you think about that? I think, I think that if the player is better than Julius Randle, I would do it. 
I agree. I think I really agree. And I think but that, like, but not, but also can't be like a, like I'm not getting like a, a ball dominant player because I think Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are the ball dominant players that the Knicks need. Like you need someone that can work off the ball and score you like, you know, 25 a night, which is rare like, to find, but like, I wouldn't do it for Zach Levine. I'm sorry. I would not do it for Zach Levine. Okay. I would do it for like, if like if Portland gave up on Dame, I would do it for Dame. Agreed. If if um if Trey Young, no, I would not do it for Trey Young. I don't. I wouldn't either. Bradley I would Beal, I would not do it for Bradley. Even though Bradley Beal is better than Julius Randle, I would not do it. Okay, for Bradley but but see, Beal. then uh, see, why I think, wouldn't I think Bradley Beal? Is then perfect. why wouldn't you have done it for Donovan Mitchell, who is better than Julius Randle? I'm I'm I won't call myself a Donovan Mitchell hater, but up until before he plays played for the Cavs, and now he's revitalized defensively. I was a slight skeptic on how high Donovan Mitchell's ceiling was, but I think he's playing better because he's playing with um, a really good team, and I'm not saying the Knicks aren't a really good team, but I think he's getting maximized more in Cleveland than he would have in New York. And all right, so now I'll I'll throw out a couple more names that the Knicks were a couple weeks ago, there was rumors that they were looking at OG Ananobi from the Raptors, who's not better than RJ, but definitely would be a great piece. But sticking with the Raptors, what about Siakam? I like Siakam, and Siakam playing is playing at a very high level right now. I don't know. He's kind of older, too. How, what's your ceiling with Siakam? Your ceiling with Siakam is probably a second-round exit, Max? Yeah, but, like, if you got – again, if you got Julius Randle playing this much, and the Knicks definitely have draft assets where you could probably put together an RJ and, uh, I don't know, Jericho Sims plus picks deal for a stud. Yeah. You know, right. like, um, I'm just – I mean, I'm just going down the list here. Uh, the, the Knicks have to decide. The Knicks have to decide. Do we want to compete guaranteed next two to three years, or are we trying to be middling for the next two to three years, but maybe in four or five years these guys are good and we get a start to come here? That's that's like it, it's a decision that Wes uh, West got to make. Yeah, and, and so another another name I'll throw out here, De'Aaron Fox. He's playing really well, but J- Jalen Brunson and him are probably like similar guys. I don't think I'd yeah. want do that but Darren Fox is playing very well very good basketball right now probably I agree and then the the big one for me that I think is such a like if if there is a even the sliver of a hope that this guy becomes available I think the Knicks should put all their chips in the basket Shea Gildas Alexander he's not available not I know he's not I understand he's not he's just about as available as Bradley Beal is in my opinion and to me those are the those are the two guys that everything's on the table for Seriously. I'll give you. I'll give you one. I'll give you one to end this trading segment. I guess. Um, Jimmy Butler. I'm good on him. I okay. Think. Cool. Cool. Okay. Like I. I mean, like I, he's. Would he be perfect to? Like, Pair. let me put it this way. Reunion I think, with Tibbs. I think R. It makes a lot of sense, but I think R. J. Ceiling could be Jimmy Butler. Yes, it could be. Like Jimmy, I don't think he's ever going to be a, like an elite defender like Jimmy Butler was in his prime. He could, but he definitely could. Especially you got Thibs as a coach. You could probably make the argument that Thibs probably made Jimmy Butler an elite defender. I'll kick this to Sam. Is Thibs the right coach? No, that I was. That was literally the next thing I was going to say. Thibs is not the guy, and for the exact reason that I said before. You don't win in the modern NBA, just like we talk about football. You need, like the Jets. Here we go. We're gonna tie everything together. If you can't score, you can't win in the NBA. If you're not an offensive-minded team this year and you're not playing real basketball on offense, you're not gonna win. It's just not gonna happen. There's always gonna be a better offense to beat you. Like the, the Knicks can play. The argument with the Knicks a few years ago when they made the playoffs was they were the only team that was trying 100% on defense every time, and I think it's very true. Where in the regular season, defense will win you games. But you get to the you get to the the postseason or the the playoffs in basketball, and teams teams that weren't playing defense start playing defense, and you already weren't a good offensive team. You're screwed, I think. And like to me, to me, I always thought that the better hire for the Knicks would have been Kenny Atkinson, solely because he's coaching New York and has been in the same exact spot that the Knicks or the Nets were in the same exact spot that the Knicks find them or found themselves in a few years back. But I just think he would have been a great head coach, great hire for this team. And look, I don't, I don't dislike Tibbs, and I think he makes it through the whole season unless there's a catastrophic collapse. But I really don't think he's the guy whatsoever. I would agree with that. Yeah, and it's like it's it's almost like I don't want to say the Knicks are outdated because like 
like they got Julius. They're making good moves. Like on paper, like if you go to the next front office and say, like you know, start questioning their moves, they'll start throwing Randall numbers at you, and you're like, kind of got to shut up because Randall's playing better than what they thought he would be, and Jalen Brunson's kind of doing better than what we thought he would. Yeah. Like, and it's almost like, okay, well, what more do you want us to do? We're getting guys, and they're outperforming our expectations. Yeah, but but, 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 but like then there's what they but would then say. there's like the Kemba Walkers, and then you know what I'm saying. Yeah, there's some no, there's definitely some. I mean, the Evan Fournier one is yeah. is is bad. It's pretty bad. And like you could say what you want about Derrick Rose. I saw an article this week about how he's kind of like uh, taken over that uh, veteran leadership sort of role. Um, and I like that. I mean, I wouldn't hate to see Thibs is a Derrick Rose is a Thibs guy too. They're just from that Bulls elk, um, which is look. You mentioned Jimmy Butler, and I quite honestly, Brandon, I didn't really think about that that much. I was thinking more about the Zach Levine. Zach Levine ties and all like all the other you know big stars that are out there possibly, but the Jimmy Butler one's an interesting one because I think the Heat are underperforming right now, and I definitely could see them shaking it up a little bit. Or what about how about this? A guy that's always rumored in trade talks, go get Tyler Hero. Yeah, he just signed a deal. I think talk that, about instant that, offense. Yeah, I'd be at the twenty point per game score off the bench. Um, it, listen, Tyler yeah. would be great. I don't think. I don't think they're trading for Tyler. I don't think they're trading Tyler Hero. Yeah, I don't uh, think so either. But like, even like uh, the the good thing with the Knicks, and I guess what they thought when they signed Evan Fournier was that they would have you know that instant offense off the bench or the guy who could hit. He's gonna shoot 45 percent from three every year. Sorry, not that. That's not Evan Fournier. Apologies, Nick fans. But what's I guess the the only good thing about Evan Fournier now is he gets paid so much that you can kind of match contracts with anyone. Yes, yes, so, good, good contract to sell. To yeah, get a high, to get a high superstar player. Yep. Fournier will definitely be involved. That's why he's not playing. I honestly, think oh, hunt, yeah, yeah, it's so, like, it's so obvious. That was one where the front office is like, Dibs, you're not playing him. I don't care. Like, you do not play yeah. him in the game. Um, what I will say about Tibbs and the Knicks and with the defense, what you were saying before was kind of just like Tibbs always been one that places stars more minutes than everybody else in the regular season. He actually had been doing a pretty decent job at not doing that in the beginning-ish of the season. But over the last maybe like seven to ten games, the minutes for all the major major guys, along with the injuries, guys in and out of the lineup, have forced the older the, the older guys, the starters, to play a lot more minutes. And they've been losing. And in two seasons ago, when they got the four seed or the five seed, um, their uh, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle are both top three in the minutes per game category. Yeah, I think that is something that's not conducive in this today's NBA, where guys, where superstars, are only playing like 65, 67 games, um, and you need to rest your guys and can't play your guys thirty nine minutes a night, forty minutes a night. Um, so I, I don't. I think Tibbs makes it through the season, but I could see there just being a mutual parting of ways yep. after in the off season, kind of to. I'm not saying I'm not going to call it a reset. I'm just going to call it a retool. I agree, and I think I think Tibbs could go like, let's say like theoretically, like I like the idea of like a mutual agreement. You say, but theoretically, I don't think it would be crazy to see Tibbs go be like you know the defensive assistant coach on a on like the Celtics or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a team that's like that's like really really good, but kind of just needs a little bit more minds in their in their uh, coaching room. I guess like I could see that happening, but. And then what? Then what happens with the Knicks? Like, I don't want to get too ahead here, but like, do they do they blow it up? Do they tr- do they trade don't Julius Randle? Like, don't. I, I don't know. But like, that's the thing. Like, I've been conditioned as a Nick fan, a longtime Nick fan, to just like expect the worst. No, so, I agree, and I can't know? like. It's like Jet fans. I can't put myself in the mind of Nick fans and Jet fans. Like, yeah, because it's 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 McFeely. It's literally just a fucked up world in there. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, well, you listen but, to the podcast, so you, you know what we go through. I know. I, listen, I know. And I, and I tell them all the time, I can't put myself in your shoes. But blowing it up right now when you have a very – I'm going to say – I'm going to call it an exciting competitive team that on any given night you guys can compete with a lot. Of, you can compete with any team in the league, but at the same time, you can find yourself down 25 in the first half to a lot of teams. It's, yeah. It's not going right. It's, um, it's, uh, it's rough betting on the Knicks. But yeah, I guess I here's where I'm going to hard transition. Okay. I, I spoke about the the Knicks and how you know you can't be a amazing defensive team um, like you can't be an amazing successful team in the NBA while while only sticking to defense. However, that will work when you have uh, Kevin Durant on your team and Kyrie Irving actually playing basketball for the first time in what seems to be years and only playing basketball yeah. for the first time in years and 
Uh, I think the Nets are the best team yeah, in the league. I what, do. Right now, they're the best this team is what in the I league. I wanted to ask Brandon because we talked about this on the last show a little bit. When it's all about basketball for Brooklyn, they're very well the best team in the NBA. Brandon, we saw them for the first, I don't know, two months of this season. Like, how were they able to just completely flip a switch? Because, like, we were killing the Nets. Like, we were burying the Nets in the second month of the season. And now, you know, they're the epitome of a championship contender. Well, what I'll say first is that distract outside distractions like Kyrie Irving and what Kyrie Irving was causing in the locker room, even if it wasn't outwardly affecting them where they were talking about it and it was the conversation, it's just swirling, getting asked about it in press conferences. You're, you just can't escape it. But right now, they are only playing basketball. They got the, the, um, the new coach bump, which we like, we like to, we like to call yeah. it in one of my chats, the new coach bump where you just – you're like, okay, it didn't work with the guy, that guy. This guy, it has to work. You have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving. These two guys are playing at the top of their games. You're probably seeing the Kyrie Irving from like 2017, 2018 when he was on top of the world with LeBron. As, right now, let me. I'm going to stop you there for a second. And this is where I think Kyrie is his best. When he does play that second fiddle and buys into that second fiddle. Because yeah. he, when he was with LeBron, it was a given that he was the second option there. Yep. Now he's bought – I think for a long time with the Nets, KD and Kyrie went there and they kind of looked at each other and said, hey, let's let's both drop 30 a night. And, but sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes having one guy drop 35 and one guy drop 20 is better than two guys dropping 30. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they had that mindset together and then they brought in James Harden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous. That, that I think that is – I'm not going to get into to James Harden, but I think that is that was such a like that was the that was the climax of this Nets like or maybe the falling action of the first Nets go around. Now we're we're in the rising action right now, and it's only going to get better. But I guess where I, where I wanted to transition is from the Nets or to the Nets is they're playing amazing defense, and I don't think it's a coincidence that their their defensive uh, emphasis and their head coaching change or your head coaching bump, like Brandon called it is going hand in hand because maybe that's all they needed. I, I do believe in the head, the coaching bump. I mean, like the Broncos almost beat Kansas city yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's crazy what it does to a locker room of guys, of, of men who are just like, okay, we, we're men. The, these guys are such egomaniacs. No matter who you are in the NBA, you're an egomaniac NFL. You're an egomaniac. Um, when, when it doesn't work with a coach, it, and it, it falls on the players at the end of the day. They're the ones that are on the field making the plays, you know? So they feel some type of way about it, and they want to right the wrongs that they did with the last coach. But um, they are amazing on defense. I wonder why. They have top five defender in the NBA, Ben Simmons, and another top defender in the NBA, Nick Claxton. And, Nick Claxton and, is- and Kevin Durant, I think, yes. his, I think his entire career, he's been slept on in his defensive prowess. He's Obviously, he's arguably the best pure scorer of all time. But yeah. just having a frame like that, and he's he's really, really, and Brandon, I know you'll definitely agree with me here. His basketball IQ is through the roof, especially the on roof. defense. And it, you'll only see his his offensive highlights. But if you watch the net games, he's the one calling out the switches. He's the he plays the five sometimes that low dunker spot he's defending, and he's calling yeah. the shots. And he, you know, you see a center come into the paint, and it's like, oh shit, only Kevin Durant's down there. But no, it's it's like, oh shit, Kevin Durant's down there. I got to get the ball out of here. He's a force, I think. No, um, Kevin Durant said he went to Golden State because he hated playing ISO basketball. He yep. loves he loves the purity of the game. He is um, he, he his IQ is it's off the charts, just like you said. Um, with him, with Ben Simmons, with Nick Claxton, they got Royce O'Neal who plays defense too. And now that Kyrie Irving is locked in, and he's locked in on both sides of the ball. I watched the Nets game a couple of nights ago. Yeah. I forgot again too. And I saw the Kyrie Irving from 2000, I'm going to say it again, from 2017, who was locked in on both sides of the ball and focused purely on just basketball. Um, what I say is I think the Nets are a strong candidate to make a big splash in a trade deadline move. Um, I'm not sure who. I think they're going to pick up some kind of th- a, a better 3 and D guy than Joe Harris. I think they could trade Patty Mills to somebody in a deal. He's fallen out of the rotation. Um, but I think they, they, they have a move to make that's going to up their roster even more, make them even more defensive-minded with good shooting around the two guys. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both rank in the top three. I think I forgot who's number two in um, two-point jumper efficiency. Kevin Durant, we both know those guys as pull up, pull up, God. Yep. 
has he that I, listen you call we call it Kevin Durant the hezzy pull up god because that's just his that's his move. Um, so I'm not surprised by any of this. Kevin Durant is now in his 15th or 16th year playing some of the best basketball of his career. Um, I wish I would have thought of this a couple weeks ago before the win streak, but they're on an 11 game win streak. He's moved from 35 to one to 14 to one to an NBA MVP. I would not be shocked if, if Kevin Durant keeps this up, does not get hurt, and the Nets are a top two, three seed in the East. We'd be looking at Kevin Durant as an MVP at age 36. Definitely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, the only thing I'm going to disagree with anything on there you said, I think their big splash is going to be an anchor, to be honest. I think they need a – they like, Nick Claxton is nice, and, yeah, Kevin Durant provides some good interior defense. But, you know, they're going to have the – you get to – they're not going to be able to win without going through – Giannis, to be honest, that's the guy they need. And yeah, they got Ben Simmons, which is cool. But, you know, you're going to start seeing even guys like, you know, I'm not saying they should be their biggest fear, but, you know, a guy like a Steven Adams or like a guy like, a, you know, a Valanchunas, like these big, yeah. these big or Jokic, like these big skilled set. Jokic would kill the Nets, I think. I think Jokic would kill anybody. He might yeah, win I mean, too. Yeah, that's not saying much, but I'm saying like no, matchup wise, you know what I mean? Like, I think they need a big body. Like we saw you them last another, year. Another one. Another yes, one. You yes. already have three. You want four. Like, how about this? I don't. Know, I, don't I don't know who's available. How, I got a good. I got a good name for you. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, give me John Collins. John Collins. Not not necessarily like an anchor, but athletic as hell. Can jump out of the gym. Plays defense and he'll give you thirty in a, in a night if you don't guard him easily. You put your fourth best defender on John Collins, he'll give you thirty and no one will be surprised. Yeah, he's a good stretch for. Um, he's been he's been on the trade market for what I think yeah, it's four forever four straight seasons now. I feel like there is just a huge rift in the league in terms of what his trade value is and what the Hawks are valuing him at. Yep. I think he ends up staying put, which is crazy to think yeah. about. Or um, or how but, about this? How about this name? Um, oh, I just lost it. I had it. I have my list up in front of me, and I like. What about it. like a Mason? What about like a Mason Plumley from the Hornets? I mean, that's okay, but like, does that really? How someone, much does that really do? No, but you, listen, I'm just thinking of a backup big because Claxton is the starter, and Claxton's going to be in the final five for the, the Nets right now. Is Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Nick Claxton? If the team has any type of size, and probably either Royce O'Neal or a Joe Harris or a TJ Warren, who I, we haven't even discussed yet, who was a stud on the Suns. The last five, the, the Suns, you remember him on the on the, the Pacers? Yeah, well, yes. Um, TJ Warren is a guy who, they, you know, everyone kind of forgot he signed a one-year deal in Brooklyn this year. He missed the beginning of the season, missed the first month. He's getting back into a 20-minute per game, like, rotation. He's in the rotation. He's playing every night. He just dropped 21 two nights ago, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's a guy that you might not need to go out and get a scorer because you have a TJ Warren who does 15 that night for you off the bench. So... Uh, it's not crazy to say the Nets are the best team in the league right now. I would not go that far because I think the Celtics are the best team in the league because they are playing some pure basketball right now. But the Nets are rolling. They've won 11 straight games. I think they play tonight. I could be wrong. Um, but they're rolling. And Kyrie, when Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like you started this whole thing with, when they're playing just basketball and focusing on just playing basketball and there's no outside distractions running this team, Jock Vaughn has these guys playing defense, like you said. They yeah, are team that can easily win the championship. And I not I don't definitely don't want to go like too too much around the league. We'll get it. We're definitely gonna have you on back on when we get a little bit closer towards the trade deadline. But like you said, just some quick notes around the league. The Celtics are real. The Celtics are very real. I think the only if I had a if I had to choose an MVP candidate right now and it wasn't Kevin Durant, it has to be Jason Tatum, I think, or Luca. One of those or two. Joe and Kim. I mean the only argument for Tatum is or um, I mean, I guess Luca's probably the the favorite right now, if I had to guess. But the argument, for, or one of the only argument for against them is, I mean, Tatum's got the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. So he that's does. you know we've seen how that correlates. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, we 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 hinted at Luca before. He's having an unbelievable season, and I don't think it's of anyone's shock. But what he's been doing of late, he's averaging like forty in the last week, which is like. Like almost like a 40-point triple-double in the last, like, 10 games or something. That's very rough math, but pretty, pretty close to what's actually real, which is uh, absolutely absurd. Um, and then same thing for Jokic, another guy who's – I argue with this. I, I'm going to pose you guys this question. Is Jokic athletic? Yeah. I saw I saw a, um, I saw a yes. tweet the other day, and it was Thank like – Thank you. Just the, the way that <laughs> – I saw a tweet, and it was a video of just him kind of, like, barraging his way to the net and just putting up a shot, and it was just like – 
I think that what it said was like, it's just hilarious that like, this is what unstoppable is in the NBA. Well, well, Brandon, Brandon, you, you laugh at this question, but I will say that stuff like matches said is like a real take on Twitter. Like there are people that really just say that he's just like, like a force, like, or just like, nah, he's just, he's very skilled and he's just like, just forces his way. He's like very like loafy. Like he's just goofing around all the time, like bumping into everyone, falling down. Like he's just a big oaf, I guess a lot of people think. But my, I have people that will sit here and look at me dead in the eye and say that he's not athletic. He's just skilled. No, he's a freak. To be honest with you, man, my take on that is this. It is impossible to play in the NBA if I you're agree. not athletic. I, I it mean, is impossible I, to play in the NBA if that's, you're not athletic. That's the easy answer, but I guess, I guess what the other side of this is, I guess relatively to other NBA players, is Jokic athletic. And okay, I still so, think yes. I, yes, he's still a very athletic guy. Um uh, maybe he's not the best athlete in the league, but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, a good I, ath- no, he's, he's not a good John athlete. Moran. He's not. He's not Zion Williamson. But like, no. you know, I think he has. To, he got. He plays better defense now, so I know he's athletic. I'm sorry. I I 100 agree. Never, if his defense had never gotten better, I may have not laughed at this question. Here's I still a, would have been the same way. Here's a here's a tool for you. Ready? When you're talking basketball with someone, if you start to feel like they don't know what they're talking about. Ask them if they think Jokic is athletic. That's going to be a good telltale sign of if they actually watch basketball or they the just barometer. look at stats. That's the barometer to see if someone knows basketball, what they say about Jokic. I'm telling you. Kind of just bar. keep that in mind. Um, and then other than that, notes around the league. The Grizzlies are real. Zion's unbelievable. Um, although I will say I'm still skeptical on kind of what I said about the Knicks, about how, like, yeah, the Knicks are the only team that we're trying in the, in the regular season. But once everyone else turns it on, it might be a little different. In my opinion with Zion, I think that once teams start, you know, playing them in a five-game series and start being able to scheme around them or scheme against Zion and get the ball out of his hands, I'm I think the jury is going to be still out on that. Is he playing unbelievable? Yeah, 100%. I'm it, any idiot would say no. You know what I mean? But I think the next test for Zion and any Zion Williamson doubter like I admittedly was and still have one foot in, one foot out the door, but I want to see it in the playoffs. I want to see it on the biggest stage because We've, how many guys in the NBA do you see have an unbelievable regular season and then go into the playoffs? And then how about this? Pandemic P. Another yeah, one. No, 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 it's a different game. Every NBA yeah, exactly. plays That's the all playoffs, I'm saying. No, the playoffs. And I, I think I said it. I think I said it to you yesterday when we were watching the games. I said that um, the, ne- the next test is literally when teams are fully taking away that left hand, yep. making a legit wall. Seven game series, full game plan to stop you because Zion, you are the best player on your team. They're yep. the, the number one thing on the other team's scouting report is going to be what is our plan to stop Zion or contain Zion Williamson? Or are we going to let Zion get all of his and stop everybody else? I think it's for the Pelicans. It's a little bit um, interesting on that Brandon Ingram hasn't played in a little bit and now yeah. Zion's doing his thing. So what is it going to be like when Zion and BI are on the court together? Could be really good because I think Brandon Ingram's underrated. Oh, I think Brandon was amazing. I'm just not sure how they mesh together because they're both kind of ball dominant on the ball. I like when Zion is playing in a facilitator role as well. Um, one thing I wanted to say that I didn't get to chime in on is I'm not a fan of the Luka Doncic basketball experience. I Whoa. love Luka. I love Luka and I love what he does. And I think he is one of the best players in the NBA. But it reminds me of the James Harden Rockets era. And I was a firm hater of the James mm. Harden Rockets era. So I ha- I can't just switch because I like Luka Doncic. I love Luka Doncic. He's a monster. He's one of the best basketball players. Probably going to go down as a top five player of all time if I had to call it right now. Yeah. Um, but I hate the style of basketball. I hate the style of it. I think they – no, no, but they – so for the first experience, quote-unquote, of trying to get what's the team to go around Luka, good experiment. Let's see how it works. But right now they struggle offensively at times when he's not on his game, and their shooters, their shooters aren't like their role players aren't like elite guys. Like it's Tim Hardaway Jr., it's Spencer Dinwiddie, it's Christian Wood, it's Dorian Finney-Smith, it's um, it's just guys that like yeah they went to Western Conference Finals last year, but they're they're like a very team that it could be year by year. It's first round exit. West Conference Finals, second round exit, first round exit. Yeah, it's just it. I don't love. I just don't love the style. It, it relies too much on one guy to be great all the time. I, I don't. I don't hate the comparison. Although I think that this Luca is much better than Harden was. Just, Harden did thirty. Harden was averaging 36, 36 points I, a game. I I know, but I I still just think that I, I never thought James Harden would go down as a top five. Had a chance to go down as a top five, top ten player ever. And I think that Luca can. So, like, I think there's a little. I I don't hate the comparison, but 
Um, I guess the last thing I, w- I wanted to bring up here, two teams that are kind of, I mean, the Lakers and the Warriors is who I want to bring up. The Lakers, right. I was going to say underperforming, but I think that's an understatement for the Lakers. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but, like, what the heck do the Lakers do? We already put Cam Reddish on the Lakers, so. <laughs> okay. Here's my take on the Lakers because I watched a couple of the recent games. First of all, they can't be anything without Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. If Anthony Davis and LeBron James are both not healthy and playing good basketball, this team, it can't, they can't do anything. Yeah. They won't be able to do anything. They need 47 from LeBron to win. To even be close to winning. Yeah, they exactly. Play the they play the Hornets tonight. Let's see what happens tonight. They already lost to the Hornets once this year. Yep. Um, second thing about the Lakers. They play their they play the wrong guards. Like, like they play guys who aren't good at basketball. Like, Lonnie Walker is good. Austin Reeves, solid. Russell Westbrook. I'm biggest Austin well. Reeves fan east of the Mississippi. Yeah, you, TJ Savaro. <laughs> um, but, and then who uh, who else? Um, they play Pat, Pat Bev. Bev. Pat Bev is terrible. Yeah, I don't think he's um, good anymore. They were playing Kendrick Nunn for a while. Kendrick Nunn is terrible. They got JTA. Like, they got guy. They don't have a good 3 through 10. Like, yeah. And Eddie Davis, Eddie Davis, before he got hurt, was playing some high-level basketball, some elite defensive player of the year-worthy basketball on the defense side of the ball. And the Lakers were kind of rolling. They had The schedule was kind of light, but they went 8-2 in a 10-game span. 10-game span. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now Anthony Davis is hurt, and they lose every every night. Um, it's tough to at the watch. wrong time too, but n- yeah. nearing the trade deadline. So, I mean, the Lakers. You're you're right. They, they, it's a, I think it's the the roster with, when either LeBron or AD is not healthy is a struggle bus. It really yeah. is. Um, and I don't think they're. It'll be very. They're going to be a team that's going to be in on everyone. You're going to see them linked to every every free agent. Blah blah blah. Um, but I think you know. I guess the last thing I want to say about the Lakers is. You know, I think LeBron's message that he kind of sent uh, the other night where he, he said, you know, I, I don't want to play basketball if it's just losing basketball. That sent some that sent some ruptures through the through the Lakers front office. And I think it's going to be remain to see remain to be seen just how that that plays out, because, like, look, you don't want LeBron. You don't want an upset LeBron because he'll just start not playing. Like, to be honest, he's the GM. He'll literally start if they're if they're eliminated, he's not playing. After he breaks the scoring record. Yeah, well, sure. He'll check out. Um, I think he's at that point. Yeah, no. Um, I do think he's definitely at a point where he may sit out the end of the season if they're not in contention. Um, it's weird because LeBron signed his deal this offseason, the extension, but he signed it at a point where he can't be traded this season no matter what. Yeah. Interesting, interesting caveat I learned on a podcast. He cannot be traded no matter what, not just the December 15th, day, which was a day that a lot of guys can become traded in the NBA. He can't be traded all this season. They don't really have moves to make because I don't think trading Russell Westbrook right now is the right move because Russell Westbrook is actually playing good basketball. He's a positive for them. Yeah, he's been a positive this season. So now now their package, quote-unquote, is like Pat Bev and uh, Kendrick Nunn and and one of those 27, 29 unprotected. Honestly, I think the Lakers front office is saying, F you, LeBron. We are not just trading our future picks for the, for this season, and maybe next season they look a little better. They'll have a lot of cap space with the Russ with Russ off the books. Yeah, um, it, it it's not going anywhere good for the Lakers right now. If Andy Davis comes back and continues to play at that level, then maybe they make a play in game, and then they're a tough eight seed or a tough seven seed. But I'm not counting. I'm not holding my breath. I'm not counting anything when it comes to Anthony Davis and staying healthy for more than a 15 game stretch. And and I agree with you. And uh, I. I think that's going to do it for this this segment here. That was uh, 40 minutes of straight basketball. I love that. I could do 40 minutes of basketball every day so of the week. So we have the, uh, the Knicks, um, the Knicks in action this afternoon. Uh, no Devin Booker, but no R.J. Barrett. We'll see if the, the Knicks can sneak away with a win there. And the Nets hosting San Antonio this night. I'm going to go ahead and pencil them in for a 12th straight win. Uh, thank <laughs> you again, Brandon. Yep. Appreciate it. No, listen, I could have done another 40 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Love being on the pod. Love love that you guys do this every week. Gives me another podcast <laughs> to throw into the uh, <laughs> the rotation at work, trying to get through each day. Nice. Um, no, I love it. I, lo- I love what you guys are doing right now, so Thank keep you. it up. Yeah, keep well, we, we appreciate the support as always, and, of course, coming on with us. That's uh, always appreciated. And we'll do so it again. Thank you, and uh, back to regularly scheduled programming.
So, the elephant in the room, and when I say elephant, I mean like the biggest elephant this world has ever seen. The New York Jets absolutely embarrassed themselves yesterday. Uh, We're recording this on Monday night, a few hours before. Let me put it this way. We're going to watch the Bills and the Bengals tonight, and I, I will strongly... I strongly believe that they will play a different game than the Jets played yesterday. There will be a different game played tonight than than yesterday. The Jet and honestly, the last two weeks the Jets have played because they had with their season on the line. And I think this is a you know people might take this and put this on Salah. People might take this and put this on Douglas. People might take this and put this on Zach Wilson or Mike White even. But they the Jets haven't scored. They're with their season hanging the balance and them. Not they didn't control their own destiny a hundred percent. They needed some help, sure. But if they won out, they had a very good chance to wit to get into the playoffs. Period. Stop. And they haven't scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's you. You won't win football games if you don't score. The Jets don't score, and ultimately they lose. It's not that hard. It. it I mean, do they make it look hard? Do they make the football game look hard? Yeah, they do. And they're. It's just. I don't even think it's like a false hope. I think that this team, you are what your record says you are. We've been saying it all year round, um, and th- that's what this team is. They're they're a mid-team that with a good quarterback, they could be great. With an average quarterback, they probably sneak into the playoffs. But with poor, I, I mean poor at best, quarterback play, you you will not win games. And that's, that's where the Jets are, and they will be golfing in uh, two weeks now. Yeah, and you know, going into the season, I think really the only thing we asked for was, can we get some meaningful games in November and meaningful games in December? But I mean, listen, your expectations change when, you know, the defense looks 10 times better than we thought they were going to look. Um, when uh, Garrett Wilson, who might have just lost his um, track to the uh, Rookie of the Year award there, uh, when you have these guys who are, who are playing at that level... Um, Listen, it's always it's always going to come back to the quarterback with this team for this season. I don't really have anything to say about the Jets. That was embarrassing. Uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, no touchdowns in two weeks, backs against the wall. Yeah, it, it was embarrassing. And, you know, and we'll get into this at a later date, but it really looks like the Jets are hell-bent on Zach Wilson being on this roster next year. Now, whether that's a Douglas decision, because, you know, that that's a draft pick that's going to fall on him. Um, whether it's just not wanting to give up on a kid after 21 games, whatever it is, I can't make sense of it. But it seems like he's going to be back next season. Now, of course, it won't only be him, but the other options are kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. It's slim at best. I, I don't know what they do with this position. It would be a real shame to go into next year and have this kind of same story where they played a, some elite football, some. Now, never on both sides of the ball at the same time, never. But they played some great football early on, even with Zach Wilson. We're talking about beating Buffalo. And there were, there were certainly positives to the season. I mean, 31 points against I, the Bears. Like, there's definitely, yeah. There were definitely some highlights, but for right. every highlight, there's a low light. And that's not consistent. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's just the, I, that's the that's what the Jets are this year. That's it. Yeah, uh, I, go, I go into this offseason with, with questions, obviously, about the quarterback situation, mm-hmm. uh, with questions about the coaching, especially LeFleur. Um, like we said yesterday, some of those play calls just don't make sense. Yeah. And listen, I'm sure he knows more football than us, but I'll, I'll, he's, he definitely uh, does. Yes. But I mean, come on. Um, questions all over the place. Qu- questions about Joe Douglas. So, uh, I mean, I, moving forward, we'll see. There, there'll be some jets to talk later on. Uh, but right now, I mean, it, this is just the final nail in the coffin of the jet season and they're done. Um, and I don't want to harp on any positives and really any negatives right now. Yeah, and just full transparency. I mean, we we spoke in you know multiple you know we speak all the time, but in our pre-show meeting and just talking about what we were going to do about this week's scheduling, we don't want to talk about the Jets. <laughs> like yeah. everyone's going to kill them. Our listeners don't need to hear more. You know, putting the another nail in the coffin. You know, we'll get to them at a later date as stuff comes out. Uh, th- look, there, there's a world where this could be a totally different coaching staff next year. And I'm sure there's going to be people screaming from the hilltops that there is um, a lot of coaching changes. And do, maybe I disagree with that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, debates within Jet fans. There's going to be a lot of debates within the Jets front office. So I just think that this is like 
this is I, this is definitely a huge off season. But if you're a Jet fan, I think you can you need to take a step back and look at this season and say, yes, very disappointing. We were there. We had it in our hands. We were a good team. I mean, we started the season so well. And then uh, the shit hit the fan. However, you know, you go and win this next – you win week 18. I'm in a meaningless game against the Dolphins. And if you can get to, you know, eight wins uh, on this season, you know, I think a lot of Jet fans, the over-under was, what, five and a half in the beginning of the year? They've exceeded yeah. expectations. And, you know, I, I understand. I get it. And I'm not going to say this isn't an embarrassment because, quite frankly, I, I've already stowed away all my Jet clothes and will not be wearing them anytime soon. But – yeah, I just think that this is going to be a lot of reflecting for the Jets, a lot of uh, a lot of big decisions to make money-wise. Uh, like we said, obviously the forefront is the quarterback position, but I think it's I think Salah's seat has to be a little hot, especially you know yeah. I, to be and tell me if you disagree with this, but you like I understand this game is meaningless, but like you can't get embarrassed in Week 18 here. You can't. Yeah, how about how about let's score a touchdown? Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah. I mean, hot seats. I think Joe Douglas also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm kind of hinting at. Like, don't go like go out with a fight. You know, you see, we saw the the Broncos who have nothing to play for. They almost beat the Chiefs. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's what you want to see. You like you want to see the guy. This is a game where, you know, maybe you see your 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 uh, Denzel Mims have a huge game or something, and then you could say, oh, nice. We know that that Denzel can do this. And now we can pencil them into our roster next year. Guys got have things to play for: incentives, yeah. roster spots, coaching jobs. Um, you know, and in, watch in the most jet way, they're going to put up forty this week, and the offense is going to click on all cylinders, and it's going to be the biggest slap in the face of all time. But you remember, you remember when Geno Smith had that uh, <clears throat> that perfect passer rating of week seventeen against Miami, and they won and poured Gatorade on Rex Ryan. Uh, I don't, but <clears throat> I twenty thirteen. I don't don't remember, but. Uh, I think the only only positive that comes out of yesterday is that segment of Jet fans that was really, really holding out hope that Mike White was going to be the guy for 15 years. Hopefully we could silence that a little bit. But um, there's greener pastures in this city to, to get to yeah. on the football well, front. Maybe, maybe bluer would be the right way to put it. <laughs> um, the New York Giants, man, I'm telling you, this Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, talk about question marks going into this year. All the question marks were on the Giants, I think. I think that, you know, before the season, everyone looked at the Jets and said, you know, Zach Wilson, number two pick. Everyone's high on Salah. They got young. They're young everywhere. Garrett Wilson might be the best best player on uh, the best rookie. He might be the rookie of the year. Brees Hall might be right behind him, blah, blah, blah. Sauce Gardner. But look where the Giants are. <laughs> they got the – now the Giants have the coach. And the Giants have – most likely have the quarterback. And the Giants have the defense. And here we are. It's I, I poke fun at you about the Mets and the Yankees, but it's little. It's Big Brother, Little Brother. I think it, it's MetLife is MetLife is blue until further notice. Yeah, it's still Giant Stadium. Yeah, um, that was that that game was was fun to watch for the Giants, and I think the way that um, they utilize Daniel Jones, I want to see that every week from him. I mean, like whether it's that QB sweep where he takes it in for almost twenty yards for a touchdown. Um, that's the Daniel Jones that I wanted to see. And we'll get to some reports about what the Giants are going to do with Daniel Jones and with Saquon Barkley. I think this week was kind of the, all right, we saw it. And this is what we're going to move forward with um, in, in those two guys. So, I mean, who knows? We're talking about a couple weapons here. Um, maybe bolster the defense a little bit. And maybe we're talking about a really good football team here. But that was a great win. Um, it was one that, you know, we knew they were going to get. But uh, I, I loved just the style of play from the Giants. Yeah, and, and I agree wholeheartedly about the Daniel Jones thing. I think that, you know, I don't want to be the be the guy that's going to sit here and say, like, you know, I told you so or, like, I called it or whatever. But I'll go back, like, five weeks ago when I said, yeah, hey, Giants, you know, use Daniel Jones' legs. Like, guys are kind of like – they're if when Daniel Jones is just a pure pocket passer, he's – like, it's kind of like half of him. The other half of his game that they've introduced in these weeks – have really opened up the offense. I mean, just like the Giants are, I think the Giants are proving a couple things. One, if you have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes, and Daniel Jones has gotten better at not making mistakes every year of his career. Insanely better. Yeah. And, especially this year. Don't make mistakes. Make a couple plays with your legs. Don't do anything crazy with your arm or, you know, and then rely on a good running back and a good defense. That's what I've been asking for the Jets all year. And that's what the Giants are doing. And it's, and that's what the Giants have done. And now the Giants head into 
the irony is the Giants are nine six and one heading to the thirteen three Eagles, and the Giants have nothing to play for, but the Eagles have something to play for. Yeah. So this whole yeah. year, I've I've been a huge my my bold prediction, I guess, was not even that bold, but my prediction has been that the the Eagles might be the spoilers to the Giants season. The Giants might be the spoilers to the Eagles season a little bit here in this in this yeah. last game. Yep. And and you know um, we'll we'll get to the as the as the week goes on, we'll get to reports about you know who's playing, who's not playing, because that's a, a lot of that's still up in the air. Do the Eagles roll out Jalen Hurts? Who do the Giants play and not play? Uh, you know, we're gonna. It's still gonna be remain to be seen. We definitely can't preview this game right now on a Monday night because, again, we have no idea who's gonna play this week. So, definitely gonna keep you updated there. But yeah, man, the Giants are. Uh, I mean, Dable's got to be the guy, right? Oh, one hundred percent. It's not so, even a question. What what chance do we give the Giants to maybe go on some sort of a run here? Maybe win a playoff game? Maybe two? Um, but yeah, what, what chance do we give them? Who do we think they can beat that's up in that upper echelon of the NFL that they're going to square off again? Well, I'm going to pull up the division in a second, but what else I'll say in general is I think the Giants do a lot of things that appeal to a lot of different playoff narratives. A couple like what I just said. If you can run the ball well, Giants have, Giants have a good running back in Saquon Barkley. They have a really good running game. Even even guys like Matt Breida and you know their their complementary backs, they plug them in and they play pretty well. They can they've always been able to run the ball, except for when the Giants are good, they're able to run the ball. I think that goes hand in hand. That's one. Two, we just mentioned it. You don't make mistakes on offense. If your quarterback doesn't make mistakes, you're going to be in every game. That's number two. Number three, the Giants play good defense. There's a whole. There's still a large portion of fans that think. You know, obviously, modern day NFL a little different, but defense wins championships. It's like a, it's a real thought. The Giants, you can make the argument that the Giants do do all three of those things. So yeah. before we even get to any you know individual matchups in the in their in the NFC, I, I'm going to just go out of whim and say I think they can hang with every team. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about every team, but I could see them winning a game in the NFC. Who don't they hang with? Philadelphia, I think. See, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, because you, you got to think about this. Like, I get it. Going to Philly's tough. But, like, you know, that's a that's a cornerstone rivalry game against – and this Eagles team's pretty young, too. You know, the Giants are young, but Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback. We were yet to see his playoff, you know, potential tapped into. There, you could find that Jalen Hurts is not the guy in the playoffs, and the Giants skate by that round. But looking at the rest of the NFC, we just saw, we just saw the 49ers get a little bit of a questionable game there. Um, Minnesota, we've always been, always been yes. questionable on. Dallas of late has been playing some shaky football. I, I think that the Giants match up better against the Eagles than they do Dallas personally. Um, but then I think they can be. I think they can be Brady. I think they could be yeah. the Seahawks definitely. Lions definitely. Yes. To be honest, the scariest team uh, to me right now is the Packers because they're sizzling. Yeah, but you know what? It's a team that the Giants already beat. Yeah. The Packers are sizzling though, and and that that's going to be a fun. Uh, I don't know if you saw. I think that is the Sunday night game next week now. So winning in for Green Bay or Detroit. That's a fun game. Which um, I don't even know oh, yeah. the line, but I I'm loving the Packers. Well, well yeah, it's my favorite team. Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, tapped in. Actually, so another full transparency. As we're recording, there's no video component yet, but McFeely has a Packers shirt on, Aaron Rodgers jersey hanging behind him. And a Packers bucket hat on. So the flip has been switched on his fandom and he will be presumably rooting for the Packers in the playoffs, I'm gonna assume. Yeah, I also have been sleeping with a uh, life size cardboard cutout of Aaron Rodgers. How's that going for you? That's good. Nice. So yeah, I mean, look, I'm looking at the NFC here, and again, I think that the Giants will I be stunned if the Giants get bounced in the first round? Not at all. Oh. Like, no, I just not not even the slightest. I'm not expecting them to do anything. But again, I think they've made up this team where they, if they do their, if they play giant football, they can be in every game. And, you know, they make one nice play by Barkley, one nice play by Daniel Jones with his arm, one nice play with his legs, get a turnover on defense. By the way, I don't know if I was, if I, I was as vocal as I was in our group chat as I was in other chats, but all over Giants defensive score this weekend. Nick Foles was begging to score a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, begging to throw an interception. And, uh, you know, the Giants, Colts are were dead in the water. But, I mean, 
This is what you do against bad teams. You beat bad teams 38 to 10. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, um, and we had questions. We looking looking back, I mean, the Giants lose by one possession to the to the Vikings. They play a gritty game against the Commanders. They got blown out by the Eagles, sure, but like I, I think that I don't know. That that might have been rock bottom for the Giants. That might have just caused them to to uptrend a little bit. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of mirroring uh, Green Bay right now. They're just playing much better football. Um, something that we've hit on kind of every week when we talk about the Giants is, you know, we, we left a lot of these games thinking, well, I still don't know if they have the quarterback. I still don't know what you do with Barkley. And, and I've kind of been on record saying, well, they're definitely going to franchise him. Um, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the Giants plan to offer multi-year deals to both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And I, I mean, I, I feel like the Giants, they're saying, no, we, we have an identity and this is it. This is our quarterback. Um, this is our run. And you would have to think that they're both going to put a pen to paper there because it's not going to be easy for Saquon to get a long-term deal anywhere else. And I mean, why wouldn't Daniel Jones stay? So like I said a minute ago, if that's going to be their identity, if that if, if those are the guys and they're not going anywhere, which I kind of thought they were for most of this season. They're only a couple pieces away, mostly on the offense to, to be a, like a really good football team and not kind of a suspect that they've been at at times. And if you're a giant fan, especially, you know, somewhat, if you're relatively close to our age and our, you know, your mid twenties, you you've seen giants winning Super Bowls with quite frankly, marginal quarterback play. You know, Eli made every play in the playoffs. Sure. And he's arguably one of the better playoff quarterbacks of all time. But in the regular season, you know they are pretty. They beat the Patriots at nine and seven. They beat the. Yeah. Uh, they were. I think they were nine and seven and eight and eight in their in their playoff years. So like. Yeah, and it's and it's a similar identity yeah. too. I mean, it's it's ground and pound, and you know, make the quarterback make a play when he has to. Yeah, it's 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 something that the Jets. It's called. I call it like a backbone, right? Like the Jet, the Giants' backbone is. You know, if when all else fails, we're gonna we're gonna play gritty, tough football. The Jets don't have that. The Jets don't have that, you know, what, what is the, I guess an identity is what people call it. Sure. But like, I think that, the, you know, when all else fails there, the Giants can rely on the fact that they're just a, I think they're well-run organization right now. They, they've oh, yeah. on their clicking on all cylinders again. And it's, it's one thing to be like a piece away with a defensive end where you got to go spend, you know, half your free agent money on, or one thing to be a piece away when you got to go spend $40 million on a quarterback. But if you're able to get Daniel Jones for like, you know, a mid quarterback salary and you're able to save a couple pennies on Saquon Barkley because he's just your franchise guy and, you know, all smiles there and you can go pick up a wide receiver off his scrap heap or something like that or, you know, get your one off uh, tight end or something like that. Go draft someone in the late rounds that becomes a stud. And, you know, the Giants focus, I think, is is really going to be adding weapons for Daniel Jones if they resign him. And if you go into the draft with very minimal question marks, like I think the Giants will, assuming they lock up Barkley and Daniel Jones, it's a lot easier to fill the spots that are, if there's, in simple form, it's easier to fill two spots than it is to fill seven. Yeah, and and when we talk about bringing in weapons for Daniel Jones, I mean, when we talk about the trade front, I mean, we see what some of these wide receivers are getting dealt for. We're talking about like a fourth and a fifth. Mm-hmm. Like these wide receivers don't go for that much. It shouldn't be that tough for them to really figure it out offensively, bolster the defense a little bit. And I mean, maybe they become a perennial playoff team. I mean, they play in maybe the best division in football, which is tough. But I mean, even a bigger credit to them making the playoffs, playing those opponents, uh, being the third NFC East team to to lock in a spot. I mean, kudos to the Giants. Yeah, and and I think you one thing you said there that I I definitely agree with. Their division stacked, but. What I will say is, like, you know, there's a world where, you know, Cowboys lose in the first round of the playoffs here. There might be some changes going on because this is, like, how many years now that the Cowboys, you know, just don't do anything. Yeah. You know, and that this is – Dak isn't – he's not old, but he's also not, you know, a rookie. They, they – there's there's definitely some question marks. Zeke looks like to be, you know, on sort of the back end of his career. Uh, you know, guys – just natural progression of the NFL. Uh, the I guess the what I'm trying to say is I'd be more fearful of the Eagles just because of their you know the way their team is made up and their youth I guess than the Cowboys because 
I think the you know, at least going forward for the next like five years or so is what I'm I'm saying. Not necessarily for the playoffs, but I think that the Giants has definitely deserved to be right in that conversation with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I agree. You know? So um, I don't know. Did you have anything else more you wanted to add? Well, again, we can't really preview this game right now because we right. don't know who's playing. So and yeah, we don't no, even want to talk about the Jets. So are there any any other notes from uh, from this week in the NFL that uh, you wanted to get to? I mean, we have a thriller tonight. Excited for that. What do you anything like tonight? Else? Uh, we're both on Cincinnati. Yeah. I like Cincinnati. I think so too. I'm just getting this out there because I, I like when we're wrong on things and like, we can like go back and laugh at it. So uh, like, yep. it kind of provides a win-win situation where if the, if the Bengals lose tonight, we can go back and laugh at this. But if the Bengals also win, we'll be like, Oh, we called it. So, yep. um, yeah, nothing, nothing really of known anything. Kirk Cousins nope. stinks. Oh yeah. The Vikings. Stink. Yeah, the Vi- I, um, they're going to be like, I'm going to, they're going to win one game in the playoffs. They're going to win the first game in the playoffs, yeah. and then that's it. I, I would love to just see them exit in the first round. I really would. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I, I was taught in an argument today about uh, just about wire, the wide receivers in the NFL in general, and I'm just looking at Kirk Cousins' numbers, and, like, he's very, like, a lot of people ripped on Brett Favre for being a compiler and, you know, just playing for 100 years so he has every record. Kirk Cousins, I think, has the most, like, fluffy stats of all time. Yes. You know, like he's got like three straight years about 4,000 yards passing and like, you know, 25, 30 touchdowns. But like, that's it. Like, he, he's yeah. like, every, it's just like, you know, you see him. I'm looking, I look at his stats and his wins, he's throwing for like, you know, 350, 360. And in the losses, he's throwing for one, 150 and two interceptions yeah. and a fumble. You know, it's like, it, it's talk about inconsistency, but. I don't know. I he, he and uh, he and Justin Jefferson really were like they were just clicking on all cylinders yeah, together yesterday. Yeah, and just like DK Metcalf was. Um, <laughs> I, I know we didn't speak about that, but I guess one thing I wanted to add to the Jets. It's it's not all bad. I mean, like going forward, no. I don't mean to just totally get out of line here, but the Sauce Gardner's a stud. That's 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 a plus. That's something you didn't have last year. Brees Hall is going to be healthy presumably next year. He looked like a stud. Hopefully, Mekhi Becton can come back and he'll be healthy. Um, you probably add another lineman. Spin the block with Dwayne Brown, as quoted by Bobby Wonder. Um, and we'll talk to Bobby, you know, getting into the Jets offseason for sure uh, as news comes out. We'll, we're going to keep him around, definitely. He's here to stay. Uh, but, yeah, no, nothing nothing else. Just wanted to I, – I think there's some silver lining that you could look at at the Jets season, but just a bad taste in our mouth right now. Yep. So agreed. But that's all for this one. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, again, when, once we find out, you know, the status of some local players and such, we'll get to get on our preview podcast. Um, there's some big games, like you said, this weekend. So definitely going to have a big around the league. We'll have a fraud or a plug cooked up for you guys. Maybe have Bobby or Matt on talk some. And uh, yeah, as always, cool to have Kurtzman on. Thank you for listening. Interact with all our socials and uh, peace out.